This can never happen again. It was that minister's job to protect seniors in long-term care, and she utterly failed. Will she do the right thing now and resign, step down from that post? She certainly has not done her job. Thank you, Speaker. As I've said many times, I take responsibility. I took responsibility for this before I even got to politics, understanding and researching long-term care for almost 14 years to understand Order. what we can do. The key component to addressing this problem as we are doing is the action of taking responsibility. That's exactly what we're doing. All right, there's long-term care minister, Dr. Mary Lee Fullerton, earlier today in question period. And you just heard uh, Andrea Horvath, leader of the opposition, the NDP leader, asking for the minister's resignation. And all kinds of headlines and news coming out of Queen's Park on this Monday afternoon as Mary Lee Fullerton walked out of a press conference earlier, just before question period, as reporters had many, many more questions regarding that scathing report into long-term care during the pandemic. Have a listen to this. Again, I want to say I'm grateful to the Commission uh, for what they have uh, provided as a guide, and uh, we will move forward. So appreciate everyone's interest. Thank you. Minister, can you stay a little longer? There are more reporters on the phone line, and this is a very important issue. Do you have any more time? And we have questions from the floor, Minister. We have two questions from the floor, and we have people on the line who would like to ask more questions. I'm wondering why you're running out. All right. Now, the minister uh, running out to a question period, according to the uh, government, uh, saying that she was uh, needed there. Reporters asking why you would call a press conference and answer basically three questions if you really didn't have time for a press conference. Dr. Ahmed Arya is a co-founder of Doctors for Justice, and he joins us now for more on all of this here on 640 Toronto. Dr. Arya, nice to have you back on. Yeah, good afternoon, Jeff. Okay, uh, your take on uh, what you just heard or uh, maybe didn't hear from the uh, Minister of Long-Term Care? Well, I mean, to be honest, since reading the report, Jeff, I've been feeling very heartbroken and very sad. And um, seeing the Minister's response, I feel I feel utterly defeated. I mean, first of all, they, they released this report late on Friday night, hoping that it would go unnoticed over the weekend. And then today we saw the minister, you know, really walk out on the media. But really what this was is walking out on, on the public and on people who lost loved ones in long-term care, on health workers who saw immense suffering and, you know, also went through, um, you know, sort of immeasurable trauma on their own. And it's reflective of our government's values and policy choices, a complete lack of accountability for what is, you know, what has happened. Well, that was my very next question for you, doctor. I mean, does this instill confidence or should it in anybody here in the province that there is accountability and confidence that uh, what needs to be done so desperately needs to be done when it comes to change in long-term care is about to take place? You know, to be honest, um, I'm not feeling so confident about this because hearing the government and hearing the minister, you know, I'm, I'm really just, you know, thinking about how a lot of it is gaslighting. A lot of what she's saying seems to be deflection. And really the actions that have been taken by the government have been either grossly insufficient or really haven't happened at all. And for example, she, meant, she mentioned hiring uh, 8,200 staff. 
um, that are going to come into the fall. I mean, we have an emergency in terms of staffing shortages right now at this very time. And what's actually needed in order to have sufficient staff to make sure people aren't being neglected or abandoned, as we know happened in these tragic circumstances during COVID, is 40,000. Yeah, so this is just not enough. And really, I mean, now they've they've appointed this commission. We have their 85 recommendations. Why will they not carry them through? You know, we have been covering this, uh, you know, for almost a, a year now. You live this every day, Dr. Aria. I mean, it doesn't seem, I think, to a lot of people that real substantive change, real change that's needed is occurring, is happening. Would that be a fair assessment? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, we've known the long-term care system was already in a crisis before COVID-19, and the Minister of Long-Term Care did acknowledge that. And COVID-19 was a crisis within a crisis. So now that COVID-19 is gone, I mean, things are actually, to be honest, worse than they were before. And the sort of number one thing that we can do to protect residents and make sure they're getting good quality care is to hire more staff. And I mean, we just don't have enough staff on the front lines of long-term care homes. And a reminder that at this point in time, when our hospital system is completely stretched, uh, instead, we're actually transferring more people to long-term care homes. And many of the homes that are actually receiving these residents are the homes that sadly have the empty spaces, the private for-profit long-term care homes that, once again, do not have enough staff. So, I mean, where is the action and where is the urgency to protect people who are living in these homes? How easy is it to get more staff into long-term care? And the point you make is one well taken when it comes to uh, ICUs and uh, patients uh, being uh, transferred and that there's a a greater responsibility and burden on uh, long-term care, maybe more than ever before. How easy is it just to hire more staff? Yeah, so Jeff, uh, we can always look at the example of Quebec, right? So last summer, um, by June 2020, before the second wave, Quebec hired 10,000 orderlies, and that's you know the you know the term used to address PSWs in that province. And you know they they gave them rapid training, uh, like a three month course. Uh, they got them on the front lines. They made sure they were only working in one home. They were paid at top union rates. And I mean, with that, they had a much better outcome in the second wave as compared to Ontario. So this can be done. It can be done with the urgency that's required. But actually, what we're seeing is once again, we're seeing a government that maybe does one, you know, moves one step forward, but then walks two steps back. And even recently, they put out a directive that said that, well, staff who are vaccinated can now work in multiple homes. And that actually goes against what we want to do, where we want to give people permanent jobs, most of them full time at one long-term care homes with benefits and paid sick days. Aside from all of that, Dr. Ari, and the hiring of uh, additional staff, is there anything else that you would like to see the government action, uh, something that they could do that would uh, immediately make a difference, a big difference? Yeah. So, I mean, the recommendations are quite clear in the in in the in the in the commission's report. So basically, I mean, we need to hire enough staff firstly to get to the four hours of care per resident per day now, not four years from now, as this government is doing when people are living out their last months or last couple of years. Secondly, I talked about the working conditions with which the commission's report talks about. Um, thirdly, I mean, we need to sort of uh, increase inspections, right? And this is the government which actually rolled back in 
inspections before the pandemic. And a big part of that was infection control. And inspections need to also include fines and uh, removing licenses, which can be done under the Long-Term Care Homes Act. We need to boost the home care system, which is something that has kind of not been reported too much in the media. But once again, the Ontario government actually removed the, you know, the president or the patient's bill of rights from the home care system and passed through an urgent bill, which opens the door to more privatization last summer and home care. And of course, we need to end profit and take out profit out of care in long-term care as well. So the minister has acknowledged some of these things, but once again, no urgency and no action. And I'm tired of politicians who are acknowledging things or, you know, talking about things without taking action. Well, I was about to ask you, I mean, we've had reports, we've had commissions, uh, we've had people uh, look into this, uh, we've had uh, questions uh, fired uh, to the minister. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, really, I mean, where is, uh, you're absolutely right, where is the urgency and how do you get that urgency from uh, this ministry and the, this government to really address this? Yeah. So, I mean, absolutely. Just to remind our listeners, Jeff, I mean, even just during COVID, we've had the military report. We had a report from the patient ombudsman. We had a staffing study report. We actually had two interim reports from the commission uh, itself uh, before Friday's release. And then we had the auditor general report uh, earlier last week. So I'm just so exhausted and tired of reading these reports, which are you know, by and large, kind of very similar and giving these big picture recommendations uh, that we all agree on have been actually a problem for decades. I mean, at this point in time, we just have to hold those in power to account. And, you know, the fact that, you know, the system is not fixed after all these reports is just absolutely egregious. I mean, what will it take uh, after so many people were lost during COVID-19, close to 4,000 people died, uh, 11 staff died. Uh, many of these deaths were preventable. And as we know, and as the commission's report itself outlines, people didn't just die from COVID-19. They died from dehydration. They died from loneliness. So the fact that this has become a political issue and we're seeing this gaslighting and deflecting is beyond disheartening and it's morally corrupt. Listen, these are questions, Dr. Arya, that many of us uh, are asking and are still asking, just like yourself, and uh, really appreciate your voice on this, as always. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you so much, Jeff. All right, Dr. Ahmed Arya is the co-founder of Doctors for Justice.